0: I'm Steve Vibronics, and this is the Life in Dub podcast, talking to people who live their lives in dub and reggae. Episode number eight. Welcome to the eighth Life in Dub podcast, a series that features in-depth interviews with people who've lived their lives in dub and reggae. As with every time, thanks for all the support from all you listeners out there, and thanks for the messages. I try to answer each one, so keep sending them in. You can email me at vibronics at gmail.com or hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, all the usual places. And you can visit the podcast website, lifeindub.com. I hope everyone is bearing up okay under the stress of lockdown and this virus craziness that we are all living through. Like I said last time, it's the toughest time any of us in the music world have known, with show after show cancelled and a huge cloud of uncertainty hanging over all of us but I do take the time to take some joy from all the love for the music that I see each day across the whole world on the internet. This week, I wanted to talk a bit about Mexico, both because of what I'm up to now and because of the interview in this episode of the podcast. In case you're wondering what I'm up to during the lockdown, for me it's the perfect time to do a lot of background work for a project I have coming up later this year. It's an album called Stepping Into Mexico, basically a load of new vibronics dubs with guest contributions from some amazing singers and players that we recorded last year in mexico city i think i mentioned in one of the first podcasts mexico is fast becoming one of the main places for sound system dub in the world from when madu messenger and me first went over 10 years ago we've witnessed this scene grow like crazy many of you will know about my love of musical collaborations so the only way I could really celebrate this amazing movement in Mexico was to embrace what is going on there musically. With the help of Rutical Sessions and Bungalow Dub we recorded some great vocalists as well as mariachi style horns and guitars and even a marimba that was so big we had to go there to record it because you'd never get it out of the guy's apartment. So when I got back I had a pile of unfinished demo rhythm ideas and tracks and tracks of recordings from Mexico. My job the last couple of weeks has been to sift through all this treasure and start to arrange it into something I can mix and then release. Maybe I'll share a few demos as I work my way through it on lockdown, so that's what I've been up to lately. This week, my guest is Ben Alpha Stepper. We actually recorded this interview in Mexico City last December when we were doing some shows together, hence the Mexico connection in this whole podcast episode. This one is a location recording. We were sitting outside, so please excuse the sound quality. But I hope you'll agree that what Ben has to say is worth the occasional car passing by and blast of seasonal Mexican fireworks you can hear in the background. Personally, it was great to interview Ben because he makes amazing music and political actions himself. But he's also the son of John from Alpha and Omega, who are one of the foundation influences on Vibronics. So, enough of me. Let's get on with the interview. So, Ben, welcome to the Life in Dub podcast. Thanks a lot, Steve. Uh, I feel I should say something about where we are. Um, And we are on the roof of a restaurant in Coyacan, in Mexico City. Mm -hmm. So I apologize if the sound is no good. We're doing it kind of raw, kind of location recording style. Um, And we happen to be staying in the same place. So it seemed like the perfect opportunity. It's a sunny day, it's December. You can hear the fireworks in the background. Today is,
1: uh, Day of the Virgin of Guadalupe, special day. Everyone's out, pilgrims are out, and the fireworks
0: are blazing high. Scene set. Living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what what I'm doing with the podcast, um, some people will be familiar by now, is I'm kicking it off with my first question, which is the same question I ask all my guests, which is, can you name a track that, from when you heard that track, there was really no looking back and it changed things for you so can be you know mm. any way you want to talk about that then uh, wow that's the opener that's a that's a great question actually
1: it gets me thinking about all the different tracks that i've heard over the years that have influenced me and inspired me and changed my direction and things like that changed my life I think, uh, besides reggae, the first album I bought was uh, Dr. Dre's uh, Chronic, two thousand one, and uh, I think that was released in ninety nine or something like that, around the turn of the millennium, and I must have been about thirteen, about thirteen years old a great age to be discovering like new musical like sounds I'd never heard anything like it and it was just to me it just sounded so fresh I mean specifically speaking about Dr. Dre's productions and Scott Storch and and people like this the sound to me was so stand out everything was so clean and uh, everything had its place nothing was Used within the song on a whim, you know everything had its purpose, and this really inspired me,
0: taught me a lesson in in simplicity and you you could hear that in the music at that early age, you could sort of that that attracted you to it, yeah, yeah I'd yeah. say that from you know i've been listening to your music from since you started doing it really, and mm-hmm. there's some kind of that that wasn't me shooting ben by the way, that 's just some more fireworks. <laughs> I would say that um there's some of that kind of simplicity, everything in its place in the music mm-hmm. that you do, so yeah. I guess it's been a bit of an influence. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, even at that age I was trying to deconstruct the, the songs. I wasn't focused so much on, on the, the lyrics and, and, and the flow
0: and the rapping, but more on the production. So talking about production and, and music, I mean that's how I know you as a producer and musician and artist, so mm-hmm. where, where did it all start
1: for you musically? Let's say my earliest memories with music um, would be with my dad mm-hmm. of uh, Alfred Amiga uh, and before that even my dad... Big shout Alfred. out to John, big he, shout uh, out to John. Yeah, big love to the, to the old man. He had a sound system, John, in, in the 80s called Roaring Lion Sound System. and. And was that down in the southwest? Was, was it always southwest. in the southwest, yeah. in the
0: southwest of England. Never yeah.
1: left the southwest. <laughs> southwest is best. No, so in those days, him, he and his friend uh, Colin, they used to run the sound and make parties in uh, barns and uh, uh, what do you call those, like community centres and stuff like that in Totnes and. Yeah, because we're not
0: talking like urban London, which is oh, what yeah. a lot of people associate sound systems exactly, with. It's yeah. Especially in the UK, it's like yeah. really urban places. This is like rural towns, villages. Deep southwest of
1: England, which is where I come from. And I remember, I, I was probably just a few years old, but I remember seeing my dad uh, playing records with his sound system, drinking a cup of tea, and I was just, I was just... You know, like anybody, I think you're going to be influenced by that. And those memories stay with you.
0: And I always looked up to my dad, you know, I still do. You're a big influence on me, like the music of um, Alfred and Amigo. And uh-huh. I've known your dad a long time, like, over the internet, whatever, you know, just done projects, collaborative projects together and stuff. Yeah. And definitely one of the legends of, like, the whole UK reggae and dub scene. So where, where did it start for you in terms of, like making music and um i joined a junk band What what what's a junk band
1: <laughs> junk band it's a genre is that's like uh, i must have missed that one <laughs> no a junk, you know what a junk band is when you everyone plays rubbish pieces of rubbish but you collect from the streets or wherever you know don't have that up
0: in leicester that's sounding like a <laughs> southwest thing to me <laughs>
1: Yeah, I joined the junk band when I was in primary school. This is an early memory. I would have been about... Man, it must have been about seven years old. And uh, we had this uh, music teacher and she made this junk band and asked if anybody in the school wanted to join the junk band. And I just jumped at the idea of smashing bits of rubbish and making loads of noise. I used to do it at home anyway with pots and pans. You know, I'd get a hold of the possum band and just annoy the hell out of my mum. So uh, I joined this junk band and I loved it. You know, we were just making terrible noise uh, once or twice a week for half an hour. But this is sounds kind of stupid, but actually... Yeah, but it's an early start,
0: uh, though. It's a seriously early start. And you start making, <laughs> I think, you make a connection that it's like there's something about this that I, that I want to kind of explore and take further exactly yeah apart from that um,
1: my dad uh, would sometimes take me into the studio and he would let me twiddle knobs and push faders and play around with keyboards and stuff like that Um, once we actually made a track um, I have it on cassette tape so if I ever get the chance to digitise that my dad probably wouldn't let me but Maybe I could play it to you. <laughs> I don't think it could leak on the internet, but it was a track um, inspired by Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, because I used to love Sonic the Hedgehog, so all the melodies and the samples are from
0: Sonic the Hedgehog. You might get to hear it one day. But there's a lot of those sounds in like those digital bleepy sounds yeah. in you know, especially digital kind of dancehall reggae stuff. It
1: worked well. well. It sound, the song itself sounds like Alpha and Amiga uh, meets
0: uh, Sega. <laughs> but it a that puts you in quite a unique position in some ways being brought up um you know your father's half of Alpha and Amiga, and you're in the studio kind of like you know seeing how the music's being made and stuff so that's um yeah it's quite a, quite a unique situation mm. for someone to be in
1: yeah, it felt perfectly normal to, uh, for me, but uh, I can understand it is it is a little unusual um when I was a teenager. My dad, um, he installed some uh, music software, Sono, Cakewalk Sono. And um, in those days I was playing instruments and I was playing in bands, like I used to play in punk bands and just messing around really with my friends. But he installed this software. I had this really crappy computer with Windows 95 or something like that. And uh, he explained to me one day, what you can do with it. And he did a great demonstration. He recorded himself playing a, a nice guitar lick, some melodies and some chords. And then he took the recording, and this is what stuck with me. He deleted every part of the recording, apart from one little part where he made a mistake. <laughs> so he just made like a crank, and like a horrible sound on the guitar. And he kept that part and then he looped it and he built a song around that, that mistake.
0: And uh <laughs> it's like the opposite of what you would learn if you <laughs> yeah. went to music tech exactly like like yeah. college or whatever and cause also that, yeah. I guess in the Alpha and Amiga sound, there's always like layers of mm-hmm. kind of it's quite sort of psychedelic like layers of sound and yeah. so that makes sense exactly. what you're saying about picking a particularly strange <laughs> bit and then turning that into a track.
1: I thought it was crazy. I was thinking why didn't you keep the good part, you know, but in the mm. end, it turned into a great track, so after that. I uh I just I spent hours and hours producing uh, and just recording stuff and layering stuff and since the age of 14 I think I you know, my friends were out uh in the park and I would just go home and just sit on the computer and pr- produce music and terrible music for years and years
0: until eventually I you have to put your hours but, in at the start really don't you yeah. like to, but also I think there's something about sacrificing some other things like doing some stuff with your mates because you really want to be like putting hours into your music.
1: How many weekends you spend uh, locked in a dark room behind a computer screen hoping that it's not going to crash after two hours
0: work in those days and then all your friends are out having a laugh. you know? So how did it transition from like from you messing around with your computer into like Alpha Stepper and, and also hmm. the, the name and that sort of legacy of Alpha and Amiga that like, hmm. I wonder how all that happened and why you decided to go down that route and hmm. if you wanna uh, a bit about yeah.
1: that. I think uh, maybe in 2008, I started to make music as Alpha Stepper. That was, because in those days I just finished University. I was living in Bristol and I'd been inspired by the dubstep scene in Bristol. I used to go to dubstep nights um, and I loved all that. So I, deci- I decided to start making, uh, I don't know if I decided, I just started making dub. It just happened really. Before that I'd been messing around with all different styles and remixing some of my dad's stuff. And then uh, yeah, I just started to make Darwin and, and uh, what happened then? I moved to France, and then I discovered some of the French stuff. That was around 2009. And one day, uh, somebody asked me if I wanted to play a session in, in France. France. Yeah, so that was the first session I played. It was 2009, I think, as Alpha stepper in Strasbourg. And I haven't been back since. And, uh, I just, I just got a, a booking. I hope that's not because they won't let you come back. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm, I'm banned from the place. No, I just got a booking um, for um, 2020. So that'll be 10 years later nice. returning to Strasbourg, which is going to be nice. But yeah, that's how I started. Really, just uh, it just kind of happened then. You know? I can't say it was an intention or I had. Particular drive to do it. I just enjoyed doing
0: it. I I I've been making music for really as long as I can remember. You set up a label as well, mm-hmm. and um, some of the releases on that label have done really well. And like, obviously, you just put a new album out as well. And like, so wh- when did when did the label stuff start happening? The label, the label started shortly after um,
1: 2010. So 2020 is 10 years of Steppers Records. Nice. Um, 2010 i have been a couple of years producing tunes as Alpha Stepper, and um, i tell you what happened. It was Jonah Dan, big respect to the dub uncle Jonah Dan. Big shout out to Jonah uh, Dan. He, uh, I played him a couple of my tunes once. Actually, he gave me, he was interested in dubstep as well, so he gave me some vocals and stuff to work with um, that he had. He has thousands of vocals. Yeah, he must have. He's been making music for so long. So he gave me a folder and I started doing some remixes and I made some tunes and I made this one tune and he said, eventually he said, why didn't you just release something? And up until that stage, I just, it never really crossed my mind. It often
0: takes someone like external to sort of say yeah. you should, because it, it's, it's crossing that step between doing music for kind of fun and then someone saying no, no, this, this is there. And it's kind of sometimes it takes mm-hmm. someone else to exactly. really help yeah. you realise that okay, maybe it is ready to be, like I'm yeah.
1: Like if yeah, if my dad and my aunt, they have encouraged me all the way. But
0: still, that's your family. So. yeah, it's different when when someone else who's like not family mm-hmm. maybe is yeah. I can see how that exactly. can like, can help things along. So I thought solid. I'll
1: do it. I had uh, the last of my student loan, which I was supposed to spend on um, like food and shelter and all stuff. That stuff. Yeah, I had to sacrifice some of that stuff. Um, I spent it on a record. Released a record. uh and it sold out really quickly nice and i just couldn't believe it and i took the money and released another record and
0: i've been doing that for the, the following 10 years up until now today and it seems to have taken I me mean, here we are in mexico mm. and we're doing a show we're doing two shows together this weekend and i know you did some shows over the last few weeks um and it's, this is something because it's something that interests me. It comes up on the podcast a lot. It's the whole. It's amazing how sort of worldwide it's become. But you, yeah. you, you are someone who's really travelled a lot with the music. You've been to literally around the world with it. I think i played in around forty countries. And I grew up on a council estate in
1: Plymouth, where I grew up. Nobody even had a passport, you know. So I, it never even occurred to me that, you know, you would leave the country, little alone the council estate, really. That was just your community, your life. So I'm just so grateful to this day every time somebody invites me somewhere to go and play. and, and I love it, you know, and it really inspires me and it opens my eyes. It's not just with the music but it affects it affects me in every way, with my outlook on life, you know
0: well it's, it's great that you document it with these like videos you're making I, I was involved in one in in Poland with Dougie oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and violin boy I think yeah. and it was like freezing cold and it was like yeah. but it was great great thing to do is to kind of yeah. show music like interventions of music out on the street in crazy mm-hmm. places and like that yeah that's uh
1: that's the the street dub thing that I do is like each video is kind of like a diary entry. So it's like a, a little snapshot of a, a vibe. And they're all quite spontaneous. So it's a vibe that we had somewhere. And also I use the videos as a means to highlight some kind of social social injustice or something that I think should change in the world. But with the traveling, honestly, I because of the climate crisis I want to I want to stop flying uh, you know I'm flying uh, way
0: too much basically I have over the past few years If you count up if you if you have a very busy year traveling yeah you look at the hours you're spending in the sky yeah yeah it's it's serious so I think it's something we all need to think about really and um,
1: I've moved now to mainland Europe where it's going to be easier for me to drive to places or get the train or get the bus and I'm gonna just try to avoid flying as um, you know as much as I can, basically.
0: Because we were talking before the interview, we were just it, today is general election day in the UK. I'm not sure exactly when this podcast is going to come out, mm-hmm. but just to kind of give you some idea. And um, we both obviously have an interest in politics, and we're talking about it. And um, that that for me is like one of the sort of foundations of like roots reggae is this kind of like political kind of yeah. thing. And so what, how? How did that kind of manifest itself for you? Is like interest in politics? Mm. Yeah,
1: so I think probably uh, initially through my family. Um, I have some close family members who are quite active. Uh, they are active activists, and um, some old-time socialists in the family. So, yeah, from a young, when I was a kid, I used to have a T-shirt with the Subcomandante Marcus. So I was learning even about the Zapatistas and these kind of movements around the world from a young age. And, well, to tell you the truth, I am interested in politics. Um, Well, I'm more interested in social justice. And I know that politics is intrinsically connected with social justice. But I'm not even that worried about the elections today because I think... I think ultimately the change come, is going to come from us,
0: uh, the people. You know? Yeah, because when I say politics, I use it quite loosely to talk because yeah. people think of just political parties, but it's that yeah. whole yeah social change and everything. And because yeah. that sort of leads me on to like a project that you're involved in that that sounds quite interesting is this kind of leaving Babylon thing. Mm-hmm. That seems to be sort of connected to your sort of social change kind okay. of like manifesto yeah. but your social change ideas and linking that to, like, to maybe to music and things I was wondering if you want to mm-hmm. tell us a bit about that yep yeah, um, for sure uh, Leaving Babylon is a,
1: a community um, that we established a couple of years ago myself um, Raz Tinney and uh, Don Fay and uh, another friend of ours Laundry and um, Naija, the whole family, the Steppers family and, and beyond. Um, we established this community and it's basically about community, uh, sustainability and self-sufficiency. So we don't view it so much as a political movement. Um, we say that everybody's welcome uh, regardless of your politics or your background. What you're interested in, the thread that connects us, is a um, a longing for a sustainable future, and in fact a sustainable present, uh, where we can live um, in balance with our ecosystems and, and provide a future for our children and our children's children, within which they can
0: breathe oxygen and uh, eat fresh food, yeah. and this is coming about through some events as well. It's, I mean, that's something I've seen, like a live show, which we can kind of talk about. But also, mm-hmm. I've seen, I've not attended one, but I've seen advertised these events as well, and yeah, wondering what they're all about.
1: Yeah, so uh, we've been doing some events. So we have uh, we have a session or a live show with a sound system, um, and then before uh, the session, we have workshops. So we did one in Belgium last year, which was three days of workshops in the day and then sessions in the night time. Music in the night time. Okay. What
0: what kind of things going on at these workshops? So
1: um, there will be like uh, talks and um, practical things mostly. So uh, it can be uh, things to do with permaculture, beekeeping, um, food forest uh, uh, foraging. Um, agriculture design, textiles, sustainable textiles, sustainable cosmetics, all the things that are embedded within our day-to-day lives that we take for granted. We are encouraging people to look at these things differently and um, strive for a more more sustainable uh, model.
0: Mm.
1: So basically, leaving Babylon, what we mean by leaving Babylon is quite simple. It's to take um, take your money away from the systems and the institutions that you believe are wrong and that you believe are unsustainable. And in doing so, you take away their power bit by bit, one by one, and step by step. And th- this is what I think. I think of.
0: As leaving Babylon, and with with the music that's associated with it, because obviously it's the Life in Dub podcast that is really like a focus on music. Then, Mm -hmm. how does the music you do with Leaving Babylon differ from maybe other stuff that you're doing? I
1: think uh, lyrically uh, speaking, our um, the music that we've been making uh, recently, um, it's very much linked with what we are talking about, what we're sharing and what we are encouraging within the Leaving Babylon community. Um, And again, it comes down to community and sustainability and um, self-sufficiency. So we we just want to show people and tell people that uh, we're in this together and we're not alone. Because when you when you're in uh, this society and when you're witnessing day to day atrocities and injustices against humanity and also against the ecosystems upon which we depend, you start to feel quite hopeless. And I myself sometimes feel isolated and, and I feel like there's nothing yeah, there there's strength do. in
0: numbers, isn't there? Exactly,
1: yeah. So we just want to provide a community. Um, that is there for people so for example if you want to do something that you think is going to help and and you don't know where to begin you can come to someone within the community and they can give you advice or they can come over and help you and we can link you with people in your area so like me for example I've left London um, I'm living in the mountains now I'm working on developing a permaculture site of my own and becoming as self-sufficient as possible
0: so that's a whole new load of skills to learn
1: yeah I'm I'm a city boy I always lived in the city um, the best I've ever had is a tiny garden so I tried to grow potatoes before and I ended up putting more potatoes in than I pulled out you know so to have this community even for me personally is a blessing and I know that there's so many other people out there who who would love to do something like this and maybe they feel daunted or they don't know where to begin and this community is is here to, to remedy that
0: and is, is it something that's like because it's you seem to have been doing it for a few years now is it something that's growing and gaining more interest and
1: yeah yeah definitely um there's as i say there's everywhere you go you you meet more and more people who are interested in leaving the system behind and and starting or at least working towards a new way of living, an alternative way of living. Um, you can still live comfortably, and you can still live a, a happy and, and full life. And In fact, you probably end up living a more fulfilled life. Um, you don't need uh, these unsustainable uh, systems and, and uh, uh, industries. They're not necessary. You know, there are other ways. So everywhere I go, I see people who are who are doing the same thing and. And that's also encouraging and inspiring me. I get
0: inspired by all these people I meet around the world. I guess what I find quite interesting about it as well is that sometimes there's a bit of a cliche around that kind of scene for want of a better like phrase. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of what, what's interesting is you're still immersed in this like quite futuristic music and digital <laughs> stuffs going on alongside it. It's not just you yeah. know let's kind of. Let's get the junk band back together and make like the junk album in Derb. yeah exactly. I don't know how that kind of sits and
1: yeah, I suppose it's always been uh painted as a a kind of hippie thing right, and uh I don't wear flowers in my hair, and I'm not really a hippie maybe it's, I it's not a video podcast Mike, I can <laughs> declare there are no flowers in Ben's hair today. I think I probably am a closet hippie, really,
0: but in truth um. You know the hippies were onto something. You know, they. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly a movement that's not showing any signs of. Like, it's not a flash in mm-hmm. the pan. No, it's like it's a it's a yep. solid thing that's been going for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we've reached a stage now where
1: things are so bad for so many people, uh, so many communities around the world are suffering, and 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 we're seeing the the impact not just on our lives but on on the 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 planet our home so if that isn't enough
0: to push you to take some kind of action then i don't know what will be oh nice it's great that it's like a, a collaborative thing as well because that's certainly something that i associate you with is these different collaborations and i see you've just released an album and it's like it's full of artists and it's like, you seem to have worked with a lot of people over the years. And is that something, cause I, I, I know I enjoy collaborations. I've done so many collaborations with people. I've got a new one next year with Weeding Dub and it's kind of something I really thrive on. is working with other people on projects. So, mm-hmm. um, and that seems to be a big part of what you do. Would you say that's true?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, this new album the, with Dub Dynasty, that has uh, 14 singers. I think we worked with it's taken us three years to finish it 14 singers <laughs> 14 yeah, singers yeah. quite something isn't it you know there's, there's so many amazing artists out there and so many amazing singers and writers that it would be a shame not to work with them you know it's, it's not my intention to go working with um, everyone uh, everyone I come across for sure it's just somehow I think people are attracted to each other people who come with a message or who come with the same message or a similar message they're attracted to each other and if you are working within the same realms and you have the same intentions then inevitably something
0: collaborative will come from it I think no no it's true it's true I agree and also you seem to be good at linking up Different people from like different countries as well. That's that whole mm. kind of like <laughs> global family of reggae <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You know, but some of them they call me the spider.
1: The spider. Why do they call you the spider? Because uh, they say it's like weaving a web. I always, I always love to connect people. Uh, you know, whether it's within social networks or within the world of music, I think it's important um, to bring people together. Um,
0: community once again it comes back to community that's interesting because obviously you do that like you're living quite rurally now as well and still kind of you know that can be a bit of an isolating thing but you seem to be combining Mm -hmm. it with getting together with people and collaborations and
1: yeah yeah true now I'm living in the mountains my my um, bandwidth is stone age (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to upload a file, you have to go off and make a cup of tea and uh, maybe come back the next
0: day and it's done. Because <laughs> I'm a city kid through and through. And yeah. it's like, has it changed things for you, living out in, in the sticks, as we call it, in uh, UK? Yeah, it's funny. I thought it would.
1: Um, but ultimately, it's kind of the same. You know, like When you're making music, <laughs> you're in the studio. So you're either in the studio in the city somewhere or you're in the studio... In in the mountains, and the good thing about being in a studio in the mountains is when your head starts to spin and you've been too too many hours uh, in, in behind the screen, and you can just open the door and you're you're in beautiful nature. Your lungs open, your mind opens,
0: and you feel you feel great, and then you can go back in the studio again. <laughs> but it's true about the studio because if you um, like, you know, I live in the city, you're living in the countryside, and it's like a lot of the time I'm on my own in the studio or maybe working with one other person, it's not like, Mm -hmm. kind of, because you have to have concentration in the studio, it's not really, there's a social thing to making music totally, but when it comes to producing it and finishing it and getting the job done, it's quite a discipline and you need some focus and the door needs to be shut. Yeah. Because the classic thing with with a lot of music is building a studio in the countryside to get away from (laughs) artists, like socializing too much and, so, yeah, it could be. I mean, are you doing some kind of new project that's based around you? Kind of yeah, I think um, living rurally. Yeah, that word. Um. <laughs> rural, yeah. But it's like the rural sticks. I mean, there's so many uh, ways. It is. Rural, to, to people who are listening who maybe don't know, but the rural makes you think of tractors and agriculture <laughs> and farmers. Would, would you agree with that?
1: I'd love to have a tractor. But <laughs> Um, I haven't got <laughs> I haven't got one unfortunately
0: but yeah no um, That's a first for the, for the podcast as well <laughs> nobody has said I would love to have a tractor. so congratulations well, for that I come from Devon I come from
1: the South West so trackers are a way of life for us um, what was the question anyway what,
0: oh yeah so He's talking about making a new album and that you being in a yeah, rural setting and yeah, how maybe that would change things
1: It's. I think it
0: has made me more productive
1: to be honest um, there are less distractions for sure. Then again, uh, there's a, there are more distractions because if, you, if you're if you're working on the land as well, then you got a lot. You know, especially now because I'm I'm kind of new to this, so I'm I'm learning. My like my learning curve is crazy. So what I try to do is I get up in the morning, work outside in the morning, and then uh, go and have lunch, and then just be in the studio or in the office and do whatever i need to do for the rest of the day um but no i think in many ways it's much the same
0: mm-hmm. yeah to be I'm, honest. I'm sure it is yeah. i'm sure it is and i guess if you're going to work outside you're best off doing that in the day you're not going to be doing that at night
1: exactly yeah yeah but honestly i love it and i would recommend it to to anybody anybody who's thinking about doing the same even if you're scared
0: let's just go for it and, and give it a try you know and what's just to continue this music thing mm-hmm. um, is one thing that I kind of associate Alpha Stepper with is album projects as well which and um, but also you're a kind of younger person in the scene I mean I'm um, you know I'm much older than you and I, I come from a generation where albums were so important but for new like younger producers it's there's less of a focus on the album and it's like I was wondering why you have this thing about because I love albums mm.
1: well thanks for calling me young <laughs> as as time goes by people stop using that word I noticed um, <laughs> for, for the album yeah I think I got that from my dad and Christine um, they've released I don't know how many albums like 30, 40 wow. something like that, about 40 albums I think and um, they're always working towards the next album. As, as far as I can remember, they're always pushing towards the next album. So, an album is like a statement, an artistic statement, isn't it? It's a body of work and, yeah, I think today we kind of move towards a more um, instant grab. Yeah, that immediate, I want to listen to this yeah, track. Exactly, yeah, especially with streaming, that's kind of how it goes. Um, but then again I think albums are also coming back when you look at like uh, trap and grime music you know the new kind of hip hop movements there's there's still a big album scene amongst artists within the within those uh, networks yeah, I,
0: I don't follow those scenes so it's good to hear that that is yeah. sort of continuing because there's something like I agree there's something about an album being like body of work it's mm-hmm. kind of and also like human attention span, like you know, 45 minutes for an hour is a good time to sit and yeah. listen to like... Yeah, yeah. You know. It's a lot of work though, so after every album... It's exhausting.
1: <laughs> I always feel like a sense of relief and I say to myself, I'm never gonna do that again, you know. And then uh, six months later, <laughs> you're at it again. Locked away in the studio. I think there's a kind of short term memory. It reminded me, somebody was telling me that um, when a woman has a baby, there's a part of the brain, uh, there's some process that actually blocks out the, the memory of the trauma of uh, the pregnancy and the ch- childbirth. As, so it doesn't... Uh, um,
0: it stops you from having another one, I guess. It doesn't yeah. put
1: you off having more babies in the future. I shouldn't be comparing making an album to having a baby. I apologise to all You were not the first
0: person to do that, though. In There's the world. There's something
1: about, kind of, you know. No, it's true. When you when you make a body of work, you know, I, I see it as like, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to continue talking on this vein, to be honest, because it's starting to sound a bit strange. But it's like a child, yeah. in a way, and it's like, you know, I don't know. For... For anybody who makes music, you would understand like, yeah' the, it's, the music it, it means
0: so much to us. It's yeah. a new thing you're bringing into the world, mm-hmm. and, it's, and then it, that is going to go off and have a life of its own. Because that's yeah. what albums do, is you make exactly. them, and you release them, and then people bring them into mm-hmm. their lives, and they listen to them, and mm-hmm. some become successful, some aren't so successful, but they take on a life yeah. of their own. And so it sounds crazy, but there are some parallels. <laughs> I totally agree. I'm, yeah. I'm there with you. It's
1: true. You can spend an hour in the studio, and you build like... A relationship with the music and you become very attached to it and then comes the time where you have to just let it go and you, you have to say you know there are going to be no more changes made to this or nothing this is it and that's that's actually a hurdle you know i know a lot of producers get stuck with production because they they say they cannot finish songs and i think it's it's getting past that point
0: yeah, and I, that's always been an issue for people i've seen it yeah. over the years and so many people that one of the stages you have to overcome if you want to have like a life in music is to be able to say, oh, it's, it's out there. Because yeah. I know with my music, I, I never consider it finished. Someone said, like, like music's never finished, it's just abandoned. And I, <laughs> I totally agree with that. And when I listen to stuff yeah, I like did, yeah. it, whether it's last week or 20 years ago, I could hear it and I can think, oh, I wish I'd changed this or finished that. But you just have to accept that yeah. it's out there.
1: It's about letting go. It's a big lesson I learned. And uh, I'm kind of, well, I'm not a perfectionist, but like I'm crazy about quality. Like I'm really interested in high quality in all aspects of, of life really, especially with my work and with my music. So there's this kind of recognition that that perfection is imperfection and imperfection is perfection. They are in fact the same thing. So when it comes to releasing music, you just have to reach a stage where it just clicks and it just feels right.
0: And then let it go and move on with your life. <laughs> and then let it take on its life of its own. Yeah. Well, we've been chatting for a while now. And um, I don't know what's going on with all this background noise. I hope the interview turns out okay. Yeah. Um, but one thing I'm asking all of the guests on the podcast is, is the book of dub. So I've opened the book of Dub and I'm writing a name I'm gonna write Ben Alpha Stepper or however you want me to write it. And what what would you want written next to it? Something you consider that you've contributed or something you want to be known about, you know, what you've done with your life in in Dub and Reggae? That's easy for me because I have a strict code that I
1: stand by and that is uh, through my work I hope to uplift and to inspire and to extend an invitation into the present nice
0: nice yeah some pretty profound stuff definitely it's <laughs> like have you i mean do you do you write lyrics or anything
1: like uh, that uh yeah so, yeah i love writing like uh yeah some of the lyrics the, the the songs that you're hearing more and more so recently uh they've been written by me okay. Um, i love the old sufi poetries you know and, I'm not like a huge reader or anything, and I don't know that much about poetry, but when I read the Rumi and Hafiz and uh, these kind of Persian poets, um, it just inspires me to write, you know, because there's a lot to say, you know. You can can talk about social injustices, you can talk about longing for progress, you can talk about uh, more spiritual matters, you know, you can write a love song that—that that is an ambiguous love song that is either for your lover or for God, however you perceive God. And the whole thing,
0: just I just find it hugely exciting. Yeah, I was having a similar discussion with Maccabee about how, like, the power of words is that they they can inspire and change or they can like mess things up as well it's like there's a kind of there's a lot of power in the simplicity of just some words and that's one of the reasons i started the podcast because i'm fascinated by people talking about their lives and kind of what's motivated them and inspired them so infinite interpretation you know the people perceive your words
1: however they feel to perceive them i think ultimately you know look at the most important books in the world, like the Bible and the Quran and the Bhagavad Gita, all the translations uh, and the different ways that these books can be read can lead to very extreme behaviors and beliefs on, on both ends of the spectrum. Um, but, again, this is, as you say, it is the power of words and after all we are making message music, so
0: True. Let, us, true let us continue to share our message nice well ben thank you very much for joining me on this uh, lovely rooftop in mexico city and uh yeah thanks for being on the
1: podcast it's been a pleasure steve uh, big respect to you of course for your work and this is a great initiative and i hope people enjoy uh listening to um all these artists that you've been interviewing and yeah just big up to
0: yourself and thank you for the work cheers Thanks again for joining me and Ben for this eighth episode of the Life in Dub podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Life in Dub wherever you pick up your podcasts. Feel free to email me at vibronics at gmail.com with any comments and suggestions for the show. And as ever, you can visit the website lifeindub.com. And I'll see you all again in two weeks for the next Life in Dub podcast.